The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. We have another um, episode of Client Files where we bring in people that are just like myself. Um, They are in recovery and they are at all different stages of recovery. Um, I always like to tell people that I'm coming on 10 years this summer of sobriety, but I also, I, I tell people whether you're 10 days or 10 years, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, we're just we're just doing the same thing each and every day. I have a little bit of time, a little bit more time than um, than some people. Um, but the way that I treat my recovery and my sobriety and my life is I don't. It's just you know every day is just keep keep trying to keep swinging each and every day of the week. Uh, this week we have Jess. Jess is twenty years old. Um, she's uh, she's been sober for how long? Almost ninety days. Yep, ninety days on Friday. Ninety days on Friday. Well, welcome to the show, Jess. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. You got it. Um, just like all the clients that I have that come on the show with me, um, nine times out of ten I've never met them before, and such is with you. Uh, we just met each other about ten minutes ago. Um, you, this is your second treatment you've been through. Yes. Right on. And you, your drugs of choice are crack cocaine pills and booze i only didn't do one of those i did, was not never a pill guy i think i took one xanax in my life um i just I was just never really into it um you're 20 years old correct yes and um when did you start using um i started using around 13 or 14 years old really I started smoking weed drinking beer with my mom and then i started stealing pain pills from her really at 13 yes wow what so your mom, you started drinking with your mom at 13. Was it like, you just want to sip or was it like, let's sit down and have a drink together? Like, let's sit down and drink some beer. Wow. Moonshine. Moonshine. Yeah. You're from that part of the country where moon to, where white lightning goes on. Yeah. Got it. All my family makes moonshine. They're all from Kentucky. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So 13 years old. Was that common practice where I come from? That wouldn't have happened. They told, and I'm not saying it's right or it's yeah. wrong, but it's like that wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened where my mom's like, "Come on, let's sit down, let's drink some moonshine, and you know, let's let's go over what it is." Is that pretty normal? Yeah, for me it is. My mom's been drinking my whole life. Every day, waking up, drinking beer at 11 a.m. till she passed out at five. Really? And she's an alcoholic. Yes. Yeah. She's still alive. Yep. Yeah. What's your relationship like with her? Um, we're really close on our good days. But we're very much alike, so we butt heads a lot. Really? Alike in what way? 
every way. In every way? Yeah. I hear you. How about your dad? Um, my dad is in and out of my life. Mm-hmm. He lived like five minutes from me, but we don't really talk because he doesn't think that being an addict is a problem. He thinks it's a choice, which it starts as a choice, but he thinks that I could just stop cold turkey and then just be done for life because mm-hmm. he's never been an addict. Really? Is he pretty straight? Um, yeah, he, he just does his own thing. He doesn't really like care to like ask how I'm doing or like check in to see what's going on because he doesn't agree with me being out here. Really? Well, how'd you find your way to California? I have a friend who was in treatment in California from back home, and I knew he was doing good. And when I had a problem and I overdosed, I was reaching out to him to see, like, if there was a good place that he could refer me to. Because in Ohio, they don't really have treatment facilities. It's more like hospital-type procedures. Yeah. So then I got a plane ticket, and I flew out here. Wow. What? You overdosed. What'd you overdose on? On meth. On meth. So, I didn't know it was meth. I was under the impression it was like coke or something. Were you was, snorting it, smoking it? I was snorting it. Okay. But I had been like smoking crack and everything for like seven, eight days. Hadn't slept, hadn't ate, been drinking. You were in a seven-day bender. Yeah. And I snorted five fat-ass lines of meth and had a seizure and was out for a week. What? In a basement, on a couch, no medical help. Holy smokes. Who's, wait... Wait a second. So, you know, I I'm, I stayed up for, I think, I can't remember if it was nine or 13 days. It was one of the two, just on Coke, just Coke and crack, mostly crack at that point because I couldn't fit anything else up my nose. And, I mean, I, I saw a lot. I was hallucinating. Out, I mean, I was out of my mind, just out of my mind. And so you, you thought you were, what, snorting cocaine? Yeah. And you snorted meth. You've been up for X amount of days. Three days? Yeah. Well, like five days. Five days. Yeah. And your body just said, I'm done. And whose house were you in? Um, my drug dealer's basement. So you, wow. <laughs> you kind of rocked my world with that. That's really scary. So you did a line of meth. Like four or five fat ass lines. Just big lines. You're and you're a tiny little you're a tiny girl. Oh yeah, I was like a hundred pounds. Yeah. And obviously your body was like not doing it and you had a seizure mm-hmm. in your drug dealer's basement. Yes. In Ohio? Yes. Okay. Then you had so then what'd your drug dealer do? Nothing. He continued to shoot up Coke. Just left me on the couch. Wow. Missed out on a whole week of my life and then don't remember the second week that I was awake. So, how do you know it was a week? Because you told me. Because I drove home and I like read through messages of when I was like going out there to stay with him for a week. And this wasn't your boyfriend. This is just a drug dealer. Just my drug dealer. I was just staying at his house because I was not talking to anybody. I like shut my phone off. I didn't want anybody to know where I was. When was this? Um, around Halloween. Of this year? Mm-hmm. Last year. Well, yeah. Holy smokes. What? So you're you're passed out on your drug dealer's couch for a week. He didn't feed you. You uh, Did you just go to the bathroom in your pants? I mean, your body has to yeah. let something go. I mean, I'm not trying to be too graphic, but I mean... So you just went, he just left you there? Yep. 
and then you wake up, correct? Yes. I don't remember waking up. I don't remember driving myself home. My, Have you I, seen this guy since? No. I came to treatment. I flew out to California November 9th. Did he sexually assault you in any way, do you think? Not that I know of. Wow. I wouldn't remember if he did. Yeah. I didn't know if you found you if you woke up with your pants off, anything weird like that. I don't remember. Wow. And then Okay. That's heavy. That's really heavy. But I had my first like spiritual experience, I guess, then because I remember like feeling outside of my body while I was unconscious and like I was like visualizing like what my daughter would do without me. Really? Were you like above yourself looking down or how was that? I'm not really sure. I've heard a couple of these from clients before. What? And I've had my own. I just was like visualizing my daughter and like me not being there. In a dream state, so to say. Yeah. So that's the only thing you remember. Yeah. And like trying to like remember like and think what she would do without me because I'd left her with my mom and hadn't talked to them for a few weeks. Wow. I was like thinking about what would happen to her if I had just died and How old's your daughter? She'll be three in April. Three. Do you the father the, the baby's dad? He's a drug addict. We have fifty fifty custody. We started dating <clears throat> when I was like fourteen, about to be fifteen. Did drugs together, partied together, like that was our whole relationship throughout high school and then I got pregnant at seventeen with her. Had her at 18, and then we broke up right after she was born, and I started using Coke for the first time, like actually like continuously using it. Wow. Were you sober during the pregnancy? First six months of it, yeah. The first three months, I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah. How is she? Healthy? Oh, she's very healthy. Oh. Wow. And her dad's continuously using. He got sober for a little while, and then he just fell off his rocker. He's smoking crack, smoking meth, getting drunk, driving with my kid in the car. That's going on right now? Yeah, right now. I called and made a CPS report last week. So Good. That's stressful. I bet that's stressful on you. Because I'm like all the way out here getting sober so I can be in her life, and he's just out there fucking up, not caring. Wow. Who, do you have grandparents that can, you know, what about his parents? Um, his parents live in Missouri and his dad does the same thing he does. How much older than you is he? A year. A year? And his dad's the same way? Yeah. So, um, I'm like stressing out about thinking she's going to be on foster care, but my care team's helping to like advocate for her to come out here. Oh, wow. Then I can just, like, start everything over here for the both of us. Wow. Good for you. Good for you. So you're coming on 90 days. Yeah. What a life. So you've been in October, the end of October, you were dead on a couch, I mean, realistically. Yeah. You had a seizure. You were on a couch for a week. You got up. I probably should have been dead. Yeah. It sounds like you had an out-of-body experience. Yeah, like I was basically in a coma because I was non-responsive. I mean, you didn't eat? You didn't go to the bathroom in a bathroom? 
I mean, I'm not. I'm just kind of laying it out for you. I mean, yeah. it's like, holy smokes. And I never had any medical attention. And no medical attention. Fine. Like no, no health issues today. Well, like in this dude who left you there, I, I can't even believe this. I mean, is this guy still walking around? I'm pretty sure he's still walking. Yeah, still doing the same shit. Wow. Shooting up coke every thirty minutes. <laughs> it's a hell of a story, Joss. Yeah. And you're only twenty. Your, your daughter could have, you know, been without a mom. That's unbelievable. So your baby's dad's running around with your daughter right now, and she's three. Yep, three in April. Three in April. Wow. All right, unbelievable. What? So you went. So what? How'd you find your way to treatment? So you died. Yeah. <laughs> After doing too much meth, then you were in a coma, and then you didn't wake up, and then you don't remember leaving your drug dealer's house. How'd you get to treatment? My best friend kind of like had a little intervention just me and her told me like that what I was doing was not the way that I should be living do you just call her up one day and say let's hang out or does she call you up and say she shows up to my house unannounced all the time because okay. she knows like what I was doing and she wouldn't hear from me for a few weeks at a time so she would always stop by my house to see if I was there or not and she would catch me at like three four or five in the morning going to my house to get clothes and she told me that what I was doing was not working for me because I was I started being a stripper, and I was sober when I started, and then when I relapsed, I started using all the time at work, and then I started sleeping with people for money, because it sounded really good, like the money amounts were pretty good, and she was just telling me that, like, I'm way better than that, and I shouldn't be doing that, and I should, like, respect myself, because I lost all respect for myself. And wow. then I contacted um, a good friend of mine who's in treatment in California, and I see all the time his posts that he's doing so good out here and, like, getting his life back together, and we have kids that are the same age and his kids back in Ohio, and he told me to call this guy that he's friends with who was at this treatment facility in Huntington Beach, and he gave me all this information, ran my insurance, and I flew out here. Wow. And that is, like, probably the best decision I could have made. You know, I, I meet a lot of people, and it always blows my mind. It's, you know, I just met you. I saw, I came around the corner. I saw you down the hall. I just introduced myself to you. I didn't, I had no idea. It's an amazing thing. You're, you're a walking miracle. I mean, you think about what you've done. I mean, you did, you know, you did a ton of math which you thought was coke, which I guess it doesn't make a difference at the end of the day, but you, your body shut down and you went into, you know, lack of a better description, a coma um, you, on your drug dealer's couch in his basement, which is just spooky as hell. And you have a baby out there and your baby's dad is doing drugs. He's not any better at that time frame. You wake up, you have an angel basically come to your house, who's your best friend? Yes. She comes to your house, has a sit-down with you, call it an intervention, and sets you off. You also, I mean, you led a life, you know, as you just said, you're a stripper, you know, prostitute. I mean, talking about burning the candle at both ends, I mean, that's that's a gnarly life. You're lucky to be here. And I, um, 
I guess I had kind of another ex- spiritual experience, I guess you could call it. Um, my aunt lives in Georgia. I haven't seen her for 10 years, and she somehow doesn't know how, but she can talk to spirits of, like, people that are connected to people yeah. that she's family with. And my significant other passed away July 1st in my front yard, so he, his spirit is, like, around the house yeah. and, like, protects land. And um, when I relapsed she found out about it she knew nobody else knew but she found out because he told her and when I overdosed she found out about it and we are talking on the phone about me going to treatment and my family wanted me to stay in Ohio and just go to counseling said I could just stop and be done I don't need treatment and she told me that she knew I was talking about going to California and that he said that that's the best decision I need to get away from Ohio and start over you just gave me goosebumps Let's wait. Hold it right there. I know a lot about this stuff. What you're getting into now, believe it or not. And I want to talk more to you about this. I got to take a quick commercial break. Um, we're talking with Jess. She's 20 years old. Um, Jess, you've lived five lives. You've lived five lives, and you're only 20. It's unbelievable. You're going to be 21 in a month. Yeah. Um, we'll be right back. Uh, we're talking to Jess. She's 20 years old. She's been through two treatments. Cocaine, crack, pill, booze, died on her drug dealer's couch. I mean, you, you name it. It's happened to you in your young age. Um, we're going to talk to you about um, your significant other that passed away. And sounds like he's guiding you a little bit. Absolutely. I love it. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Um, thanks for joining us today. We are uh, back talking with Jess, who's 20 years old, and she is coming up on 90 days of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge deal. 90 days? 
after what you've been through. It's a fucking miracle. <laughs> I mean, you really are. You know, we talk. I talk to people all the time, and I know you do too. And it's like, I hear about people dying all the time. You know, dying, coming back to life. People dying and not coming back to life. I average about three people a week that die. That's what I hear about. Um, it's a it's a very dark world that I that I travel in. Um, that I just I hear about it all the time. People are dying, and then I hear about people like yourself that. You have died on a couch, been left there to die. If you would have died on that couch, the chances of you being put into a hole all by yourself are probably pretty high because that drug dealer is not going to call the If he didn't call the cops or the paramedics on you during that time, he would have dug a hole in his backyard and put you in there because he would have been caught for murder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And nobody knew where I was at, Nobody knew. So- you were gone. Nobody knew I was with him. Nobody knew where he lived. So they had no idea where I was at. I went MIA. Wow. So, so okay. We were talking before you went to break, and um, you kind of you got the, the hairs on the back of my neck to stand up in a good way because I believe in this stuff. You have, a, you have an aunt? Yes, I do. Who, uh, who is a, a medium. And, and for those that don't know what a medium, that's somebody that is able to talk to people that have passed on. Um, I have met um, an obscene amount of mediums. I get a lot of them that come in here. Um, a lot of people that are drug addicts um, are actually mediums. Um, I have I've seen enough that I know that it's truth of what they're doing um, and who they're able to talk to and the gift that they've been given. I actually believe that everybody actually has this gift from what I found out. It just really depends on, um, it really depends on how, um, how in sync you are with yourself. Everybody has that quote unquote gut feeling. That's what that is. And there's people and spirits all around us. It's, there's just some people that are very in tune that know how to like, first of all, they accept that they have this power. And number two, um, they accept what they are hearing is not just, a, a voice in their head of like their subconscious is actually another person, another being. And it sounds like you, your aunt, so this is your mom's sister? Um, she was my mom's best friend. She's my godmom. Like I grew up calling her my aunt because they grew up together. I get it. So totally. I get it. I got those two. I got yeah, uncles like choice. that. Yeah. So she, she told you. So when you decided to come out here, your best friend, came over to your house is like, Jess, you're a mess. <laughs> Get your act together. You're going to California. So you went down to Huntington Beach, correct? Yes. And you were there for how long? Um, two months. You were there for two months. And then you found your way to us? Yes. Okay. Now, tell me about your aunt. Because she's taught you had a significant other, basically your boyfriend? Yeah. So your boyfriend at the time, he died of, how did he die? He liked to drive really fast in his cars, mm-hmm. like street racing, and he would drive really fast on my road all the time. So he was like, he knew the road like the back of his hand. He lost control of his car and overcorrected himself, and his car started rolling, and he flew out of the back because his seatbelt came unfastened, and he died in my front yard. Wow. And it used to bother me a lot, like knowing that How long ago was this? July 1st of 2016, the day I relapsed. All right. 
Um, I used to get really upset about him dying there, but my aunt told me when we were talking once, I was talking to him through her, and he said that he was very pissed off at himself for dying in my front yard because he knows how bad it hurts me to pull in the driveway and know that he died in my yard. But he now understands that um, the universe had a plan for him to die there because he is now able to watch over me when I'm at home and watch over my family and watch over my daughter and that he never has to leave me. Wow. It's your your guardian angel now. It is. It's your guardian angel. I don't know. We got some people that are listening to us right now that I know that are like, what are they talking about? Yeah, they probably think we're still getting high. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, you know, I see this stuff all the time. There are such things as guardian angels. There are such thing as, you know, we've got people doing a solids all the time. I remember I spoke to a medium once, and this was, I want to say three years ago. And I, I just got set up with this person. And it was not, I, I, I just got set up with this person. And it was about three years ago. And I and I was like, yeah, I'll go. Why not? You know, I I, I don't turn down anything. I just, let's, hence the reason why I was probably a drug addict. I don't turn things down. <laughs> um, and I went and saw this person. And um, she's a world-renowned person, pretty famous in her own right. And I, uh, I sat down with her. Sat down with her for an hour. It was supposed to be an hour. ended up being like an hour and a half. And my, my, my dad had died. My grandparents are gone. I just, and I was about to get married. So this was actually almost four years ago because I'll be married. This is, this is four years ago. Yeah. So this is before I got married. And I, I'll never forget being in there. And I had been a sober now. I've been sober for about five years, maybe six years. And I was talking to this person and this was the first like quote unquote reading that I ever had done. And I sat with this person and they said, you were supposed to die, I guess, multiple times. I mean, Ross, I was, this woman's telling me, so she, she's seeing where you are. Okay. I actually have it recorded on my phone still. The session, she goes, your dad is in the room right now. And he said that you were supposed to die, but I stopped it. I stopped it from happening because you needed to be here. So he, and kind of like how like a medium will talk to you. They kind of like something about like he stopped it and he was talking to somebody to stop it. So it's like when she said that it was, I got, I just started bawling because it's like, so my dad's like talking, I guess to God and saying like, no, please don't take my kid yet. And I will never, ever, ever forget what that was that, you know, because your dad died, my dad died when I was really young, when I was about 10 or 11, and I'll never forget that. So what you're going through with this medium, I totally, I 100% see it. I 100% get it. What, so what happened next? I mean, so she's like, I'm talking to your ex, your significant other. Your, can, I, can we just call him your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. Does it feel better? Yeah. When you said significant other, I was just like, this guy's more than that. This is a big deal. Yeah, we didn't label it because we just knew what it was. I don't know. Yeah. We're weird. So this is your boyfriend. Yeah. This is your best friend, it sounds like, in some ways. Yeah, he was my best friend before he was my boyfriend. Yeah. And then, so now he watches over you. Yeah. And before I came out here, um, he had told me um, through her that I um, know how to get sober without 
treatment, but I need to learn how to live life and experience everything and deal with it in a healthy way. And that California will do that for me. Had you ever been to California? Never. Had you ever been anywhere? Missouri is the farthest. You ever been on a plane before you came here? Oh, yeah. But he, um, he told me that I should come out here and that um, I need to... I was going to do treatment and get sober for my daughter and for him. And he told me that that's fine. I can do it for him. He'll be proud of me regardless. And I can do it for my daughter. That's what I should do because I'm a parent and any good mother would do something like that for their child. But I need to do it for myself also. And that's the point when I realized that I have to do it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So you're 90 days into this. God willing, yes. knock on wood that you'll get this on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got a guardian angel. You've got a cute kid at home. I would imagine most kids are cute. Yeah. So I'm sure yours is. <laughs> and um, and now you're trying to get sober. What's it been like for you? Very hard. Because I've blocked out my emotions for so long, even prior to like the last time I got sober. And... I relapsed the day that he passed away, so I was not dealing with any of the emotions that I should have went through of losing my boyfriend. So wait, you you relapsed before that. How long were you sober for? We were both sober for a year and a half. Year and a half. Yes. And he died in your front yard, and you're just like, screw it. Yep. I did not want to deal with it. Um, I did not go home for a week because I could not deal with seeing all the skid marks in the torn up yard and broken glass and pieces of his car. And I, when I finally went to the front yard, I sat there, I cried for hours and just sat there by myself. And I found a penny heads up laying in the ditch. And he. So what does that mean? He used, we used to find pennies on the ground all the time, but we would only keep them if they were heads up and flip them over for someone else to get a lucky penny. Nice. And so, like, it was very weird that there was just a random penny laying there and, like, nothing else but, like, broken glass. It was kind of like, so it's it was okay. like a message. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, it's okay. Yeah. And um, then I came upon a keychain that he got when he was younger from going to Georgia and it had his name on it and it was laying a little bit down from the ditch so I got that and then I kept walking along the ditch and I found a little angel thing that he had had in his car so it was like he was sending me little messages wow that's heavy (laughs) that's unbelievable yeah what have you mourned it the death yet Yeah, I've been dealing with it since I got out here because I have not grieved at all. I blocked it all out by getting high because I did not want to deal with it. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to, like, forget. And I remember being at his funeral, and I was not capable of crying. Tears would not come out. I had no expression on my face. I was not feeling any emotions. I stood by his casket for an hour and a half and just stared at him. Man. So I'm out here and I'm learning like to open up, talk about it, deal with it. And when I was at my old treatment center in Huntington Beach, I would go and sit at the pier and just cry for a few hours, get it out, because I've I never cried over it until I came out here. 
Yeah. How's it feel now? Sad. It feels but like shit, but it feels good to be dealing with it in a healthy environment and in a safe place where there's people to like be good influences, I guess. Yeah. It's a natural thing. Yeah. I lost my best friend about a year and two months ago. It was my mom. I lost my mom. She just died. She went to a movie. Went on a date. Died at the movie. She was 82. She just died. And it was... Uh, and I remember it was... When I got sober... You know, they have you write, write down your trigger list. What triggers you? Blah, 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 blah. And I always... Well, God forbid my mom ever died. You know? And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, God forbid my mom dies, you send me to this place or lock, you know, handcuff me to a bed, whatever you got to do. And I remember going through those feelings of her being gone and just, I hated it, but it was just like, it was just an organic, just felt, felt like shit. You know what? It was fine. And then it would, it would go away and I would laugh about something that she used to do, some old mannerisms or whatever it was. And then I'd feel like shit again. Just bone crushing. Just like... I can't touch you, I can't smell you, I can't feel you, I can't do anything. And then I come back up again. And I remember, and maybe this, I don't know if this will help you, but it makes me feel like a million bucks. My dad died back um, in Halloween of 1988. I don't remember what he sounds like. Because back then, we didn't have anything. I might have like a wedding tape from like my sister's wedding on like VHS from like way back in like 84, 86 or whenever she got married. But I pulled up old voicemails from my mom on my iPhone. And I actually know what her voice sounds like now. And I always have it. Always have it. And some days I can't I can't go there. But um like the last week I just had I had to listen to it. And it was just it was phenomenal. It made me feel good. I just feel like she's there. But you said that that you feel like like you feel him around you. All the time. I can just feel like I would get goosebumps and I don't feel it here because his soul is like at my house but when I was still at home before I came out here I could feel him around me I would get goosebumps and the house would be warm and in the one area it would be cold my daughter would sit there and um she'd be pointing and laughing and like showing stuff on the phone or on the iPad to nothing and I knew that he was there she would be smiling and laughing and like Whoa. talking and <laughs> um, he he's not the father of her but he, he was a very her. good influence for her yeah and he cared for her a lot because me him and her father were all best friends we grew up together and um, he was a very big impact on both of us well, but I do believe that she was physically seeing him because they say that like children can see things because they haven't like developed like all the different characteristics and stuff. They society has an influence on. Yeah, that. so she was. I believe that she was seeing him, and I've been told that she was, and she would talk to him and laugh, and she would be playing outside and would be like, "Look, look," and I'm like, "Who are you talking to?" And she's like, "Right there," and I was like, "No one's there," but I knew that it was him. Wow. And he watches over her when she sleeps to make sure she's, she's still breathing. She's safe. Yeah. It's a hell of a thing to have in your court. That's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's a very positive thing. When I've, whenever I like feel really down or like I think about wanting to relapse, I just remember, like on top of me wanting to stay sober, I know that I could not do it without people finding out because he would know. 
and I don't want I don't want to not be sober. I don't want to relapse and go back to that state of mind again. Yeah. And yeah. I know that I deserve so much more because he showed me that while he was alive. And he has told me um, when I was very early in my sobriety, like the first couple of weeks, I was very depressed. I didn't want to be out here. I didn't want to deal with all the emotions. And he reassured me that it was going to be all right and that I would be able to be happy again. I will find somebody to treat me the way I should be treated. And I need to work on loving myself. And then someone will come along that will love me. Yeah. You know, we're talking to Jess right now. She's a 20-year-old um, walking miracle. Um I mean, I think everybody's a walking miracle in some ways, but um, I don't. I haven't met many twenty-year-olds that have died, then gone into a coma on a drug dealer's couch for a week, basically left there to find out what happens. Chances of you dying were pretty high, and chances are pretty high that if you did die, you probably would have been just buried in a hole, um, not pr- not a proper death. Um, She's coming on 90 days of, um, of sobriety coming up, and um, I personally couldn't be prouder of her. Um, she's been through a lot. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, I want to talk about um, you got a lot going on. I want to I talk to you about um, what it's like for you now and how you keep the old Jess from coming in on, on the new and improved Jess. That make sense? Yes. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. This is the Power to Create Yourself on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself hi welcome back to the show thanks for joining us today um if you'd like to find out more about um about our show the treatment we do here you can go to rebos r-e-b-o-s treatment.com that's sober spelled backwards uh, we're out here in Los Angeles, California, and we have a variety of options to help people out. 
And um, if you want to get in a hold of me, you can. Um, uh, my Twitter is Ross Ramin, and my email is Ross at Rebos tx.com and i'm happy to answer any questions for you um jumping back with jess uh who's coming on 90 days of sobriety this uh this coming friday huge deal you had a year and a half before yeah. uh without going to treatment correct yep. um which is unbelievable that you actually got that are you noticing a difference between this 90 days and the 90 days you had previously Yes, because I depended on another person to stay sober because we both got sober together and I'd never known anything about treatment or meetings or anything like that. So we depended on each other and I'm learning now like different coping skills and tools to like deal with things and like having a sober network and having more than one person to hold you accountable instead of just being dependent on one person because when that person's gone, then you are on your own. And that's what happened to me. Are you getting sober for the same reason, though, that you did before? Does that make sense? No, before I, I mean, was getting sober for my just my daughter. Yeah. And now I'm getting sober for not only my daughter, but for my boyfriend and for myself. Is your bo- the boyfriend? So you're getting sober for the boyfriend, the baby's dad? Oh no. Oh, you're a different the boyfriend. One that, the one that passed away. Got it. So. Your old boyfriend that had died, so you're getting sober for him now. You're getting sober for the baby. You're getting sober for yourself? Yes. It's probably the smallest out of them all. It's the biggest out of them all. For yourself? Yes. Congratulations. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. It's the first time I've done something for myself in a long time. Ever? I mean, positively, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Because I've never taken the time to take care of me. You've done a lot of drugs for yourself. Yeah, but I've never (laughs) taken the time to take care of me. And to learn to love myself. Wow. What's that like now? Are you finding... Well, let me ask this. Better question. Are you finding... Have you figured out... Grant, in your... 90 days is an enormous... I mean, when I got 90 days, that was the only time I took a chip in my first 90 days. I, I just... I wanted it. It was a different chip. It was a different thing. I went to eight treatments. Eight and a half. And I went AWOL from one of them. Was, are you fine? When I finally accepted, like, this is where I want to be, and this is who I was. Have you separated the, the, identified the old Jess from who you want the new Jess to be? Do you know the difference between the two? Absolutely. Um, the old Jess only cared about getting high and didn't care about the circumstances of what would happen. On anything. Yeah, and I wasn't, um, like, yes, I was being a mother. My daughter was taking care of fed clothes, but I had neglected her in other ways mm-hmm. by not being there physically, by worrying about getting high and stripping and everything else versus being there with her and spending the time with her that I should have been and being sober, of course. And this time I am, like, learning that, that even though I'm not physically there, like, me taking care of myself in the long run is going to be good for her because it's taking care of her in a way too because I'll be able to be sober and be there physically all the time and not have to deal with leaving her getting high and then coming back for a few hours and then leaving again because that's going to be very hard on her she's young right now but she remembers things she understands things more than a three-year-old should yeah I came to treatment and we 
didn't tell her, but she caught on, and she knew that I was leaving, and she asked me if I was sick, and I was like, yeah, mommy is sick, and she's like, you're going to go get help, and you're going to be better, I know. What three-year-old tells her parent that? Wow. When was the last time you saw her? October? Um, November 9th at 3 a.m. Wow. Was that pretty hard to be here over the holidays? Absolutely. I was here for Thanksgiving. I was here for Christmas. And um, I'm going to be here for her third birthday. And I thought about going back, but because I don't like being away for the holidays and stuff. But I know that me being away now is going to be good because I can spend way more holidays and birthdays with her if I stay sober. That is the best thing. I, Yeah, I get it. You're going to miss some. But it's, you know, you can miss a lot more if you miss, you know, missing one could save you a hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the way that I had to look at it too. I wanted to go back for the holidays and I just had to say, no, you know what? If I go back, it's too risky. It's too risky. And then when I did go back, I went, I remember the first time I was in and out like two days, just did my business in, out, done. It wasn't a stick around and you know, socialize. It was just kept my eye on the ball and just, I was out. What is, what do you think is the biggest, I mean, I, I have my own and everybody should have their own. What is the biggest thing that you have like learned about yourself during this time? Like that you didn't know you, I don't know if you want to put it like you didn't know you could do it or you didn't know you had it or like, you didn't know you were capable. What What do you think is the biggest thing you got out of it? Because I always like to tell people that you know you didn't come here to figure out that drugs and alcohol are bad for you. You you knew that. You know, you came here for a bigger reason. Yeah, because I know how to kick the drugs and stay sober. I just don't know how to deal with everything else. So what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned here? And the, it, not not here specifically in this treatment center, but during this 90 days – so far, because you're going to learn a lot of things, you know, yeah. the next 90 days. And But what have you, like, what has been, like, the biggest aha moment for you so far? Like, holy smokes. I can't believe. What What is um, that for you? Other than learning, like, coping skills, the main one is learning to be vulnerable and accept my emotions and accept myself and allow myself to feel them in a safe place. Well, so not running. Exactly. Because I always try to, like, put up a wall, not a boundary, but, like, put up a physical wall inside and just block them out and don't feel them at all. So I'm learning to not do that, and I'm learning to allow myself to be vulnerable, not only just by myself, but around other people as well. You're probably really good at walls. Yes. I mean, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, stick a knife in and, like, twist it and bring up old things, but, I mean, this is one of those things, I mean... From the jobs that you had, from being stripper, prostitution, um, just, I mean, you'd have to put a wall up there. I mean, yeah, the money's great, but, I mean, so the people you're hanging out with are, I mean, they're not the prettiest cats on the planet, I would imagine, at times. Oh, no. No. And then your boyfriend dies in your front yard, fuck, I mean, thick wall, real thick wall. Uh, you're putting up a wall to just the common sense factor that... Um, that you died on somebody's couch. You're putting up a wall that 
you're running around, you know, and I say this all respectfully, please understand that, that, you know, you're a mom to a beautiful child and you're doing drugs, you're doing nothing. You're going to have to put a wall up to the, to your actions that you're doing to that. Um, that's going to be a big thing for you. Yep. I am learning to break all those walls down and talking about it gets emotional sometimes, but I, what's the thing that sparks because I got a wall too. I get it. And there are certain topics that I can just literally picture like bricklayers <laughs> in my head, like laying bricks, like around, around me, you know, around my emotions. Um, and I literally every day, probably twice a day. And I've learned that that wall is my ego. That wall is my ego. And twice a day at a minimum, and I'm almost 10 years sober. In June, I'll be 10 years. At a minimum, twice twice a day, I have to literally shatter that wall. Totally cut it down. What what certain things does that come up for you now? Like where, uh, yeah, where, I mean, I don't know how else to I say mean, it. I have to learn to break that wall down every hour, every 30 minutes. Because if I don't, that's amazing. I'm going to block everything out. And I'm not. Like everything. Everything. <laughs> Cupcakes gonna, are blocked out. I'm going to zone out. I'm going to get in my own head. And then it's just not good. If I allow myself to be vulnerable and talk about things, then I can express like what's going on instead of like putting up a wall and shutting everything down because eventually everything's just going to crash and then I'm going to be in the really shitty low place because then I'll just feel it all at one time. Yeah. Wow. No, you're going to have to. And you're going to have to do it a lot. And there's certain days you're just like, this is a great excuse to have this wall. And maybe I'll just put a wall up for this one little thing. And it's just going to be start the end of it. I literally, uh, maybe this helps you. I talked more than I needed to talk. You know, when I in my first six months, I remember at about five months, I was in my sober living house. And it's when I really learned that I had like, an, I had a, you know, the good me and the bad me, you know, like good angel, bad angel on yeah. your shoulder. And I, it was telling me that I could go smoke crack or not that I could go smoke crack, that I could go hang out with my old friends that smoke crack and I could just hang out with them a lot. And it was like, I'll just take my motorcycle. I'll go up to Sacramento, go hang out with them for the weekend. I'll be back on Sunday. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. I just started talking out loud more than I needed to. Um, just becoming more and more vocal because, you know, there's always something in our head that's going to tell us everything's okay when it's really not. I was exactly the same way. I would hang out my whole year and a half that I had. I was always around people that were doing drugs and snoring coke. And I didn't have the desire to do it. But now I'm learning that I can't put myself in those places purposely and think that it's okay. Because when I am thinking about relapse, it's just going to make it that much easier. You could, Have you ever heard the term, you can act like a drug addict even though you're not doing drugs? Yeah. You can act like a drunk. They call them, you, know, you can act like a drunk without drinking. It's called the dry drunk. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, I didn't go, you know, when they first had us fill out, you know, they had, a, I got my piece of paper here and draw a line down a thing and tell me all your triggers. And when I went through treatment the first couple of times, I would always do that and put up the triggers. You're not looking for physical objects that are your triggers. You're looking for emotions. I hate when they talk about triggers because they're like, tell us your trigger. I was like, I really don't have any, like my emotions and myself 
on my trigger. It's like, I am my own worst enemy. You People don't get that. You just rock my world by saying that. And I think when people say, oh, like, seeing a spoon is a trigger, blah, blah, blah. No, that's an excuse. No. Boom. They're uh, an emotion. I always tell people, you do not randomly trip into a big pile of cocaine. It just, you just don't, <laughs> as cool as that sounds, you just randomly just don't trip into a big pile of cocaine. An emotion happens that gets the better of you, that flips a switch in your head because the emotions got the better of you. You did not take care of it, which turns, emotion can turn you physically into like an itch, into a desire, which physically makes you drive to go get it. You have to cut, head it off at the pass. You have, it's like, it's like dirty laundry. Just don't let your dirty laundry pile up because otherwise it's just too damn big for the washing machine. You know, every underwear, T-shirts, whatever, throw them in the dirty thing. You do one load at a time. Just clean it all out. Jess, you're one of the, you're an impressive lady. Congratulations. Thank you. 90 days of sobriety coming up. Anything I can do to help you, please let me know. But we've been talking with Jess, who's she's 20 years old. This is her second treatment. Um, suffered crack cocaine, um, cocaine, pills, booze. Your boyfriend died on your front lawn. Um, who's you know your partner? Your, your partner in crime, and I say that in a, in a. Well, we were partners in crime, and then we were partners in sobriety. In partners in sobriety, he dies. You relapse. Um, you end up doing four fat lines of meth on your drug dealer's coffee table. I'm guessing. Yeah. And you passed out on his couch, which turned into basically a coma. You had an out-of-body experience. You don't. You were on on that couch for a week. Thankfully, he let you stay there, because uh, otherwise, you and I weren't wouldn't be talking. And um, you had a life of prostitution, of stripper. You have a beautiful baby. Hopefully, that I'll get to meet her someday. I would love it if she ever comes out here. I'm working on actually getting her out here to move out here. That'd be amazing. Uh, you're a walking miracle, my dear. You are. You, you're a leader. And you got a guardian angel watching over you. You let us know what we can do for you, okay? You. I'm, I am could not be more proud of you. What, uh, just amazing. Thanks for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. You got it. I appreciate everybody joining us. You can join us each and every week, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Health and Wellness Channel. You can also catch us on iTunes under Ross Ramin. Um, again, you can find me on Twitter um, at Ross Ramin. I really appreciate everybody joining us today. I hope you were able to get something out of it. I actually learned a lot out of it. I mean, just, you know what? Life can be taken from you, and you were given you were given so many God shots right there. So thanks for joining us. Everybody, um, take care of yourself. Be nice to every, everybody else, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.